hey, hey, it's the audio choke at MMATorch.com. Uh, you're, uh, <laughs> that's all I had for that. I'm Greg Rowland. I'm Tobin Shelby. I'm Matt Collins. Yeah, good job there, Matt. Oh, uh, 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 you know. Thanks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All you, right, well, you ran out of energy faster than Tom Lawler. Oh! oh! But he has a cooler mustache. I think Kimbo yeah. Slice would have been a funnier one. Funnier yeah, reference. That's, that's true. I mean, Tom Lawler made it through the first round before gassing. Right? <laughs> gassing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. Sorry, pardon my reference. It's okay. It's okay. We'll we'll let you go this time. Yeah. All right. But yeah, UFC uh, 113 was over the weekend. You know, we got a couple things happened during that. Anything you guys want to start on? Probably start with the uh, the the title bout. Yeah, uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua. Here's what I'm gonna do from now on. I think I'm just gonna go with the underdog because it's the first time I ever guessed, you know, the correct answer. I, I believe you mean you picked the fight. Correctly. Picked the fight. <laughs> not guess. Really. Well, I did. I, yeah, last week I openly said, you know, if I if I made a guess for this. That was last week. No one remembers. Yeah. That. Then it was just completely pulling it out of my butt, and uh, so I think my. My rule of thumb is go with the underdog mm-hmm. every single time, and I think with this sport you'll more than likely come out ahead. I think in terms of betting, you would probably be correct because, you know, with betting odds, uh, if, if you go with the underdog, you actually get more money. If you were to actually, like, you know, lay down every fight, uh, statistically speaking, you'll uh, you'll do better just, you know, one for one with the favorites. But, yeah, I mean, underdogs have a much better chance in this sport than in, in a lot of other sports. So that's definitely helpful. Also, these upsets seem to come in a lot of sprees. Um, like 2007 was considered by a lot in the MMA circles as being the year of the upset. It's when uh, Pride got bought by the UFC and all the Pride guys came over and just like a bunch of these like top guys were just getting creamed by relative unknowns or guys who – you know, wouldn't necessarily be considered a world beater, and then they, you know, kick Krokop's head off, or, you know, just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there certainly has been a lot of that this year. It makes for some entertaining bouts. I mean, before before UFC 113 last week, I mean, I basically said, you know, more or less, you know, trying to predict the Shogun versus uh, Machida fight was pretty dang near impossible, considering it was a rematch, and I couldn't imagine them using the exact same techniques or styles as the first fight. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, you know, I did take Machida, and I figured it would go. I figured it would, you know, go, go deep into the rounds. But uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, it was it, nice to have a, such a decisive finish. I mean, just so there's no more. You know, the first fight had all that controversy and such. And uh, yeah, I was really impressed to see uh, Shogun be able to work more or less what's what's been his traditional kind of style, almost with you know, kind of blitzing the opponent, yeah. or overwhelming him. Well, I think he managed to turn this fight more into a dog fight mm. than uh, than. You know any other fight that Machida had ever been in? In the previous fight, he basically out Machida. Machida is really the only way you can describe it. Machida's got a very defensive game, yep. And uh, you know, Hua was not being aggressive, but he was kind of picking away at the defense, which you know it worked and it didn't work. It worked in that he he should have won, but it didn't work because he didn't win. Uh, that said, Machida was feeling the pressure this time and had to be more aggressive. And that ended up costing him because you're not going to do better aggressively than uh, than Shogun, especially a guy who is such a good defensive guy um, that just did not play out in his favor at all. Yeah, well, I thought it was really, uh, you know, Shogun really did a good job of, um, you know, basically 
you know, throwing enough punches where he basically didn't give Machida a chance to, you know, counter or anything like that because it wasn't just he'd throw a couple punches and back off or whatever. I mean, Chogun was really just, you know, flurrying on him, which was, uh, you know, something we haven't necessarily seen a lot of before against Machida. You know, it would be people, you know, take a few shots and then get countered or be be tentative against Machida because of his countering abilities. But this is the first time we really see someone kind of uh, overwhelm him and, uh, you know... I mean, it was honestly a good back-and-forth match right up until the finish, and, you know, it just all played out in the first round. I did like, you know, how there's a couple takedowns involved, and, the, you know, not much happened on the ground at all, but uh, nice to see both, both fighters using different strategies in this fight, and it really paid off for uh, who I think, you know, honestly, most times he's involved in a fight that ends up like that, you know, with, with you know, kind of a dogfight, as, as you said, you know, he, he's probably going to get the better of it more more times than not, you know. And it was great when he was just when when the fight finished, you know, yeah. he landed six or seven. You yeah, know, he knew it was done too. Like, he I knew mean, it was done. Yeah. He didn't have to get torn off by the referee. Yeah, which yeah. Is, you know, nice in my opinion. Yeah. What do you not like poor sportsmanship? Uh well, I love poor sportsmanship. I just like it in the right settings, you know, yeah. through sucker punches and stuff like that. You know, well, well, yeah, I mean, because the certainly the. I mean, for us, you know, it's always fun to have like the entertaining heel guys who are uh, fighters, that sort of thing. But say not, it is always refreshing to see two guys who are fighting, and there's no extra baggage surrounding their fight other than you know, you know, they had a good fight the first time. It was controversial, but there's no like, you know, as far as we know, again, we don't speak por- speak Portuguese. We're not from Brazil, but I mean, you know, they basically, you know, they're, they're just fighters. They don't have these outlandish personalities. There was no like, you know, dust ups before or after the fight. And it was a good, uh, it was just a good fight. Yeah, a good show of confidence yep. for uh, for Shogun, just you yep. know, being able to stop. He's back. Finally, yeah, it's good to see. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that I I wanted to see do well, but for a long time I just thought it was done for him. Um, he had some major surgeries. Um, he, he he lost to Forrest Griffin, and even in his win against Mark Coleman, he looked pretty bad. And um, you know, I, I think a lot of people, myself included, thought that he was never going to really come back in top form because you know we see guys drop off from the top a lot of times and there's only a few people that ever like drop off and then come back rampage is an example frank mir is another one um but you know he, he's come back and is in top form and I, I think that's really cool to see yeah i mean you mentioned you know, a lot of fighters kind of fade and don't come back and i mean i i always forget how young young relatively shogun is i mean he's only like in his late 20s just now so i mean He's just been around for so long in the fight game, it seems, that people kind of kind of forget. But, yeah, no, it's it's good to see him kind of come full circle. I mean, people were kind of expecting, I think, big things of him when, when Pride got bought and he came over, and that, that just really never materialized with the injuries and such. Um, yeah, and uh, who knows? That's, you know, and honestly, I mean, light heavyweight's probably one of my favorite divisions in the UFC easily just because of how... Um, uh, tumultuous it is, I guess. It's uh, you know a lot of the other weight classes. You you have champs defending the belts multiple times, and uh, you know I think Machida was the first uh, champion to defend it at least once. You know within the last two years, everyone else you know got it and then lost it immediately. Yeah, and then even that one when defense uh, yeah. kind of doesn't count. Right. So I mean, there's really just been no dominant force in at, at light heavyweight. You know, people a lot of people thought it was going to be Machida, and that turned out you know not to be the case. And you know I don't I don't know if people have uh, push that on Shogun yet, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and if he's able to hold on to the belt for a little bit or if uh, it, it just kind of continues with the, uh, you know, uh, I guess, revolving door of champions, which 
I almost find more interesting. It is nice to have established champions, but at the same time, just that unpredictability is really a lot of uh, fun as a fan to watch. Yeah. Um, I really like, kind of as a general uh, UFC championship thing, like like a year ago, you look at the list of champions, and there was just so much dominance. Yeah. There was Brock Lesnar on top, like, man, who's going to beat this guy? Because he's so big and so strong and so powerful. And then there was Lyoto Machida, who was newly crowned as the champion, but was completely untouchable at the time and never lost a round on a single judge's scorecard, barely ever gets hit. And then Anderson Silva, you know, what can you say about him? George St. Pierre, and then BJ Penn at, at lightweight. And now, you know, two of those five guys have been dethroned, and Brock Lesnar spent a lot of time sick. He's going to be coming in against Shane Carwin, who's a really tough test, and he hasn't fought in a year. Yeah. So I think um, that is that, that's a third weight class that could very likely have a new champion very soon. Uh, the championships in the UFC have really changed from being completely solid to having a lot more uh, movement and possible uh, shorter range, which I think is interesting. Especially now that you have Edgar in there, who nobody yeah. really expected to to be able to get that championship. And I think a lot of people don't expect him to keep it for very long. Yeah. So I think that's going to be tossed around more than any of the other championship belts. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what the uh, when the odds for the, the Penn-Edgar fight come in. Because, you know, I was... Is that what's going to happen next? Is they're going to have him yeah, yeah, fight BJ that. before he does anything else? Yeah. I'm not too crazy about that, to be quite honest with you. It looks like UFC is given... BJ just another push to well, I mean, you know, give him the give honest, him the title. Yeah, I, I see your point, but at the same time, honestly, champions who's been, who've been around for that long kind of deserve it. I mean, you, just a, an, another you if know you've, go if at you've it been right that dominant if you've held on that for that long, and especially if it's a close fight, um, and mm, which even, it was even it was. somewhat controversial. I mean, if you get blown out, but yeah, it, you know, if it's a champion who's held on for so long and, and just been that dominant in a weight class, you know, it's it's a lot easier argument for uh, an immediate rematch. But uh, we'll see. But, uh, you know, it was the same thing with the Shogun-Machita fight as the odds. You know, the odds got a lot closer. Shogun was the underdog in both fights. But, you know, he was a much larger underdog in the first fight. And then once people saw what he had to offer against Machita in that first fight that he arguably won uh, in a lot of people's eyes, um, you know, the odds, he was still, you know, not uh, not a favorite. But it came to, it was, came down a lot closer. And I'd be interested to see what the, the, how that comes out in the, the Edgar-Penn rematch. If it, I, I, I would imagine, yeah, Edgar's still going to be uh, – an underdog, but, you know, much tighter, you know. Yeah. I'm kind of in between you two in my opinion of the rematch. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see, uh, you know, maybe one fight for the two of the guys between a rematch. You know, uh, they were talking about having uh, uh, Gray Maynard and Kenny Florian uh, fight either of those two guys. I think any matchup of the four guys would have been pretty entertaining, whether it's uh, the Maynard-Edgar rematch for the title or the the Kenny Florian Frankie Edgar fight for the title and BJ Penn fight the other guy, mm-hmm. but in all honesty, you know, like you pointed out, Dolan, uh, if, if anyone's deserving of an immediate rematch, it's BJ Penn. He's been a top name for a decade now, and um, you know he's been extremely dominant at lightweight when he's been fighting there. His only losses are when he moves up and fights top guys like mm-hmm. Machida or George St Pierre or Matt Hughes, um, and, and he still doesn't even look bad in these losses. Um, so, I mean, that, you know, it was an extremely close fight. When you've got this reign of just being unstoppable and then you lose this close fight, it's like, well, did he have a bad night? Because, you know, it can happen to anyone. Um, so I think that he's deserving of the rematch. But mm-hmm. I, I would just like to see something else 
thrown in along the way. But th- yeah, there's no reason why uh, why I would be necessarily upset that he he gets this rematch pretty quickly. Right. Uh, I guess going back to the you know, I don't think anyone's going to call it the Shogun era just because uh, that could be dangerous for so many reasons because the Machida era lasted all of less than a year. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it sounds like the winner, uh, looking online today, uh, it sounds like Dana White kind of you know solidified that the winner of uh, Rampage, Rashad Evans, will be the next title contender. Um, I mean, I, what do you guys think? It, for Rampage, if he won, it would be a rematch with Hua. Yeah. Then, you know, it would be uh first time uh, Evans would face off face off against Machida, but I like I like either of those fights. I mean, again, a lot of you know kind of mainstream or you know more recent fans of the sport wouldn't necessarily have much knowledge or just know much about the Rampage Shogun's history, you know, until until they see it. But uh, you know that that could be fun, and it's been a while. There's been some time, and they've both grown a lot since then. So, I I think either fight would be something worth seeing. Um, I think I'd be more interested in the Rampage fight just because uh, I, I think it would play out as a more fun fight. Um, that and it would be the rematch. And both, like you said, both guys have grown since then. But, you know, as mentioned in dark periods in fighters' histories, when they fought last time, Shogun blew Rampage out of the water, but that was also during Rampage's dark time. He had just lost to Vanderlei Silva. He barely got by Ninja, Shogun's brother. And, you know, he got destroyed by Shogun, and he won a few other matches in that time period, but looked really lackluster in him, uh, kind of phoned it in, and uh, then, you know, he comes to the UFC and rises to championship status and starts knocking everyone out. So I think he's probably in a better place now than he was when mm-hmm. he had that fight. And I'm sure Shogun has gotten better in that time, too, but I think that this fight, if they were to rematch uh, six months down the line, would be a much closer fight than when they fought in 2005. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, it's, you know, been over five years now since they last fought, so uh, that'd, be, that'd be fun. And, you know, um, I, I, honestly, in either uh, Rampage or Evans, I, I'd probably fa- favor uh, Shogun in both of those, um, just because, you know, despite it you know, having been a long time, you know, I, I think Shogun would have an advantage against Rampage, you know, Especially Rampage is shown he's susceptible to leg kicks, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, um, Rashad Evans could be, um, you know, he, he's got decent strike and he's shown he's got heavy hands, but uh, I, don't, I don't think he really, you know, you know, it, when it comes, if it comes down to just stand up, I don't think he'd really, you know, would match up well against uh, Shogun on the feet. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he might be able to work his wrestling a little bit, but again, Shogun's dangerous on the ground, too. Yeah, so. see, the only way I really see Rampage, or Rashad, sorry, winning that fight is kind of the same way he won his last fight against Tiago Silva, where he gets the takedown, Tiago got back up, gets another takedown, mm-hmm. just the repeated slams and working that. But then again, that almost cost him the third round. He he got pretty close to getting knocked out in the end. Yep. And that would be a five-round fight, and Shogun's also probably more dangerous than uh, Tiago Silva. So I would say that one is a significant long shot. Um, as far as Shogun against Rampage, I wouldn't be surprised if Shogun outstrikes Rampage three to one, but Rampage hits like a son of a bitch yeah. and uh, only needs one or two good hits and can win the fight. And he's gonna have that Mr. T power. That's right. Uh, you know he'll be challenging. Which uh, I think channeling. Rashad will beat uh, Rampage because really? of yeah. yeah, getting soft, going Hollywood. Man. Yeah. yeah, I see that as a definite possibility. Um, don't need to get too into yeah. that 
We'll find out in three Quite weeks, yet. right? But three weeks? Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Woo, what, a lot what? of events coming. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah, end of the 29th, man. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, I'm excited. I'm ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Oh. We, we we teased it earlier, but a little bit of controversy in the uh, the co-main event or the uh, the featured fight of the night. Josh Koscheck, Paul Daly. Yeah. That's right. Semtex mm. went kind of crazy at the end there, which wasn't really that crazy. It looked like it was actually quite premeditated. Yeah. But um, yeah, punched Josh Koscheck in the face after the fight was over. Koscheck got his hand up. But uh, yeah, it looked like a pretty kind of a nasty punch though yeah. with that left hook. He's kind oh, of known for him. Oh no, definitely, and definitely not excusing the behavior, saying it was it was you know okay or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I mean Koscheck. Uh, yeah, honestly, I saw the re- not the replay, but you know, saw yeah. watched it again, and I mean Koscheck kind of knew something was up, and he, oh, yeah. he still got smacked in the face, but he. Like he he defended that punch a little bit at least he got his hand up so uh, oh, yeah. yeah but uh, yeah um and you know the, Paul Daly those guys are really good actors you know at the end of it <laughs> Paul Daly was like hey come here man hug hey, it out hug it out hug it out hug it out boom bam and then I'm sure we'll get to what what, what are you talking said. about acting uh, I don't no idea what you could be referencing with Koscheck <laughs> yeah oh the Phantom Knee right and that that awesome Phantom Knee and it totally yeah. had me uh, sold. Oh, you know, yeah. when I first saw it. That's what replays are for, man, because, yeah, it's just one of those things. And you always want to give the fighter the benefit of doubt, but, you know, upon the replay, it's like it it, it might have it, – it pretty much whiffed entirely if, you know, barely skimmed him. Yeah, um, it's possible it grazed him. It, it right. clearly wasn't a full-on uh, knee to the center of the dome shot yeah. or anything like that. But, you know, Koshik's got funny hair. Uh, I don't know quite the dimension of his head, so it's possible it grazed him. Uh it's a little hard to say there, but yeah, it certainly wasn't the knockout blow that Josh was letting on. Yeah. That said, you know, if you weren't throwing blatantly illegal knees, wouldn't it be an issue. Right, and well, I think, and, and I'm not sure if it applies, you know, I think it's a state-by-state thing, and of course, you know, they were in Canada this time, but I mean, fouls are sometimes to be based upon intent, you know? Yeah. It's not like you have to necessarily connect cleanly or, you know, do it you know, get hit squarely with an illegal blow for it to, you know, be an illegal thing. You know, if you're if you're throwing a knee with bad intentions, I mean, they should be able to um, not necessarily. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily a point deduction if you didn't hit them, but I mean, you know, stop stop the fight momentarily and you know reset or something. But I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot to be said. We're like, oh, it's fine because it didn't hit them. No, well, no, it's not. I mean, yeah, I, I think Daly knew what was up. Intention <laughs> does definitely have a lot to do with it. I mean, you see two guys striking and they butt heads. And it's like, well, he didn't do anything wrong, but let's try and stop the fight, you know, give the guy a minute. Yep. But if you mount a guy and then just bash your head into his nose, you're going to have points taken away if not just being mm-hmm. flat out disqualified. Just because, you know, the the intention is proven. And th- what happened here was not a guy getting kicked in the balls. You know, if you get a kick to the inner thigh and you pretend that you got kicked in the balls, it's like, well, hey, that's being pretty cheap. But, you know, the kick to the balls is... I would think, just about always uh, unintentional. But, I mean, th- there's no way around the fact that, uh, fake or not, this was a blatantly illegal attack yeah. on Josh Koscheck. So you think that he should have gotten the point taken off regardless? You know, I don't think it ends up mattering in a case like this. Well, obviously, um, hindsight, it, it doesn't, right. but... It's a judgment call, and the referee decided not to. Um, I-, I could see the argument either way. Although I think the crowd probably would have gone berserk if they ended up keeping the point taken away for it, just because you know they were already booing him when they they realized that it was a fake. Um, but I mean, 
like I said, don't throw the knee and it's not going to be an issue. Right. Uh, as far as the fight itself goes, I mean, that was basically kind of what we all expected. It was Koscheck's fight to control, and if he wanted to, you know, try and trade with Daly, he was probably going to get in trouble, and instead he more pretty much went for the takedown and worked the ground game yeah. for the entire fight. Did so. a pretty conservative approach. Not yeah. the most exciting thing, but... It was the smart thing to do, yeah. yeah. Sounds like a Josh Koscheck fight, yeah. yeah. Good strategy, though, just thinking, you know, standing up enough to where Paul thinks that you're going to do that and then, you know, go in and uh, control the fight from there. Honestly, I don't think he even really needed to stand up as long as he did. Mm-hmm. He's got some of the best takedowns in the sport. And, uh, you know, Paul Daly has decent takedown defense, but it's not, like, amazing takedown defense. Right. I mean, in theory, Josh Koscheck could have just ran right in there and uh, taken him down immediately, probably. But he felt like testing the waters a little bit. and He was getting lit up some, but he wasn't, you know, ever in trouble. He he landed a few shots that looked like standing up, too. Mm-hmm. But he figured he's got better odds on the ground than standing up, and why wouldn't he? So it, it was certainly the more intelligent thing to do, although not necessarily the most exciting of fights. Yeah. You, oh. think, uh, you think that the... The craziness with the strike force brawl had anything to do with Paul Daly later on being uh, losing his ex- job? Yeah, excused yeah. from the UFC. Uh, you know, I think that had a lot to do with it, just because there's kind of extra scrutiny on the whole, you know, as on MMA as a whole because of that post-fight um, shenanigans. Yeah, yeah um, I mean, I mean, Babalu lost his job because he held onto a submission for too long in the UFC, and that was before there had been any, you know, type of brawl or anything like that. So uh, it's not unprecedented. The thing that is odd, though, is, um, you know. Uh, Dana White, you know, he had a UFC fighter involved in that strike force brawl, Nate Diaz, and he said, you know, he wasn't going to punish him. But, uh, you know, so and I'm not saying it's like, a, you know, a double standard or anything. Like that. I just think it's kind of odd that, you know, just recently you had a fighter involved in a post-fight brawl who was, you know, involved more or less in a, in a beatdown of another fighter, you know, and um, and certainly Paul Daly deserved to be punished for what he did, but it's just kind of odd that you see that kind of disparity. And I think a lot of it has to do with it, you know, it's one thing if it's a you know it's a UFC fighter in one situation versus a UFC fighter in a UFC ring on a UFC during a UFC event you know yeah but I think, uh, it was just it's just kind of an odd dichotomy I guess for me but. I think to me that's probably what it was when yeah. you said there in the very end is that you know other than those of us fight nerds out there who are really paying attention to that stuff who knew that Nate Diaz was exactly. even there in the Strikeforce ring. Uh, you know, 90% of the people who know who Nate Diaz was probably didn't even notice he was there. Yep. So, you know, they're, they're going to go and watch the next Nate Diaz fight, and unless Joe Rogan brings it up, uh, nobody's going to actually know that that ever happened. Or, you know, they'll know that it happened, but they won't know that he was involved in it. Exactly. As opposed to Paul Daly, like, if he were to fight again, everyone's going to be like, that's that guy that punched Josh Koscheck in the face. Yeah, so uh, he's out of the UFC, and it sounds like the Athletic Commission up in uh, Canada will be taking a look at it too, see if he's get uh, his license suspended, anything like that. But um, you know, and, and honestly, uh, you know, Josh Koscheck kind of has been cast in the heel role, or has cast himself in the heel role. He of, did a really good MMA. job of that. Oh, uh-huh. he did, he did. But uh, you know, me and a couple friends who were watching were all, all really impressed with it. You know, he he took a he took a sucker punch and. Did the right thing and just walked away. He didn't escalate or anything like that, which, uh, you know, for one of the most hated men in MMA, it was a, was a very good call by him. He the, won. He knew what he was he, doing. Yeah he, yeah, he already won the war, you know, and he, he got his title shot. So, I mean, why, why risk it? So, he, good on him. What surprised me about this situation was not that he, you know, went in there for a takedown. I wasn't expecting him yeah. to continue and go into round four. I was just surprised that he didn't feel the need to say anything about it, you know, with all the smack talk between yeah. the two guys. 
um, you know, just like Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan even set it up. He asked yep. him, like, how do you feel about that? And he's just like, hockey team sucks up here. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of typical of Koscheck almost. I mean, he just kind of, you know, does his own thing. Which he is, wants to keep it focused on himself because now he's got yeah, a TV uh, deal coming yeah. up, which yeah. I am really looking forward to it, now. It should be an interesting season. It's yeah. going to be it's going to be the most WWF season in the history of The Ultimate Fighter where you're going to have this super clean-cut good guy in George St. Pierre and then this guy who goes out of his way to be a dick yeah. at any given opportunity in Josh Koscheck. Yeah, it's going to make for some interesting reality TV. I have no idea how Koscheck will do as a coach. I mean, you know, he's got experience and, you know, of course, you know, collegiate wrestling, all that, so he's, you know, been in that, you know, type of atmosphere before, you know, the team mentality, I'm sure, but, you know, as far as him being like a, a leader or, a, you know, an influence on other fighters, oh. who well, knows? I have uh, I know he's got his own gym and he works, you know, does stuff at his gym, but who, kn- who knows how that'll, that'll translate. Yeah, we don't really know how either of them are going to be as coaches. I mean, George right. St. Pierre was kind of like a guest coach on season four, but... Yeah. The coaches on that season really played a pretty minimal role as yep. compared to all the other seasons. So, you know, we, we don't really know how either of them are going to play out, but I just think that the personalities is going to be uh, going to be the story of this one. I think it's going to be more interesting than uh, a lot of the other ones. Yeah. Well, I did like after the fight how Koscheck basically resorted to uh, wrestling uh, heel tactics and insulting the local sports team and insulting the local sports hero. Yeah. There was no, like, that, that was it. He just called out the uh, what, the Montreal Canadiens saying Pittsburgh was going to beat him and then uh, called out George St. Pierre. So. Oh, right. Yeah. A- as expected. <laughs> so. Hey, yeah. Yeah, and on the flip side of that, Kimbo Slice was rocking the Montreal Canadian uh, hockey gear. Was he? Yeah, he was uh, the the Going for the a cheap pop, as they would say. Yeah, not like he needs it. That's what the beard's for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, yeah, go to Kimbo. I, I threw that transition right out there. All right, here hey, we go, man. Uh, another thing I'm kind of proud of myself for is, you know, last week saying that this is kind of like Kimbo's last last gasp in the in the mm-hmm. UFC. He has to do well at, uh, at Shogun and, you know, Machida too, or yep. he's out of a job, and he is now out of a job. He, he that is. really surprised me. I was not surprised that he lost. I really yep. kind of thought Mitrion was going to have him. But I figured Dana White would keep him around, if only to keep him away from Strike Force. Yeah. Just because he is this huge ratings draw. And if Strike Force still is on CBS, Kimbo is going to be right there. And even if they're not still on CBS, that would probably get them back on CBS if they really wanted to. Because uh, when Kimbo is on CBS, good ratings happen. Yeah, I mean, even when, because uh, I know, I believe he fought, uh, you know, when he was back with Elite XC, you know, they, they had the Showtime deal then, and he brought in some very good, some of their mm-hmm. best ratings for, for Showtime even. So, being asked that, you know, and, and again, this is not talking about him as a quality fighter at all, just like, yeah. you know, as this kind of, like, odd draw that, you know, I mean, so far he's taken a bad, a, a, a very embarrassing loss and that quick loss to Seth Petrozelli and still proved that he could bring in viewers and who knows how his stock will be after this, but, uh, you know, he took another he took another beat down, and he still got that kind of like just X factor of be, being that guy from YouTube or, or whatever. Extremely polarizing, uh, yeah. you know, figure. As we were watching it with some friends who have yeah. never seen a UFC pay per view in yeah. their life, and they all knew who Kimbo Slice was. Right. However, they were all disgusted by Kimbo Slice. <laughs> yeah. They were like, "This guy sucks." This guy, you know, and yeah. they were just kind of spouting off. Uh, talk to just somebody that was watching the UFC for the first time, you right. know, w- would say. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, from a from a talent standpoint, Dana White was absolutely right. Uh, you know, if you look like a you know a, a heavyweight fighter who's got what four and two now or something like that, and you know 
uh, had a very bad showing. Even in his even his win his his win against Houston Alexander, uh, you know, didn't look phenomenal. He showed yeah. a bad gas tank. wasn't able to control the leg kicks at all, and you know, then then lost because of you know just being overwhelmed. Uh, you know, Dana Wright has every uh, every uh, right to cut uh, you know a, a fighter who who just hasn't shown shown mm-hmm. up for his fights. You know, and you know the fact that it's Kimbo Slice is you know you can make the argument there, but you know it's not. I, I, too, was surprised, but at the same time, if you just look at it from, like, the t- statistical or kind of, like, you know, just, just the facts, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's not surprising in, in that aspect. Yeah, well, definitely in terms of talent, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no reason why Kimbo should stay after losing this fight. Really? Well, you know, he's got to remember, Dana White rehired Phil Baroni yeah. last fall just to get him away from Strikeforce. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's, like, a semi-popular name from 2002. Yeah. Uh, has accomplished very little since then. Had a few wins over in Pride that were pretty decent, but that was about it. Um, so to let go of Kimbo, who's in terms of name power, one of the biggest guys Dana White has now, mm-hmm. um, was a really big surprise to me. Even if you're just gonna keep him there to have him lose to people, yep. I'm surprised he didn't just go that route. Yeah, I mean, because no offense to Matt Metrione, he actually looked very good in this last fight, and you know might, that might just be you know because Kimbo. Didn't check leg kicks at all. Or, yeah, because you know. Kimbo looked that bad. Right, but I mean, you know, Mitrion looked good. But I mean, again, no offense to him, but I mean, if you can't beat, you know, a two and O or one and O fighter in the UFC, who else is Dana White going to have you fight? I mean, honestly, you know, that boxer he picked up. I don't know. <laughs> that that would have made some money. But you know, but other than that, yeah, right, exactly. I don't think that uh, Dana White wants to continue a circus. You no, know, per exactly. Se. Yeah, you know, he, 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 you know, and you know, he's been very, very actually kind to Kimbo in, in interviews since you know he's he's been released, saying you know like, hey, he proved himself. He came up through tough. You know, after all this garbage, I talked about him, and he just, he said very nice things about him personally. It's just you know, you know, you can't keep fighters around who fight like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. So, so how long do you guys think it is before we see uh, Herschel Walker versus Kimbo Slice or Herschel Walker, not Herschel Walker, uh, Kimbo Slice versus Jose Canseco? <laughs> Hey, you know, months? Uh, months? yeah, Kimbo needs to check, you know. <laughs> I'm sure right. he has a contract where he can't compete for a little bit. We'll, Maybe. Um, I, I think if you get cut, you're pretty much open game. Oh, yeah? yeah. That that would be a pretty messed up contract if yeah. we can fire you, but you still can't yeah. get a job. Right. I mean, the, I think the thing that there's going to just be like medical suspensions, that sort of thing. Yeah. Anytime you lose, right. you can't fight for a little bit pretty yeah. much. But, you know, give him a couple months or whatever to clear the medical suspension, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him pop up in Strikeforce just yeah. because... It would be pretty crazy for Strikeforce to not pick him up unless he has some really large paycheck. Demand. Yeah, you know that was the that was kind of the issue when when his con you know uh, when Elliot Seafolded you know Strikeforce had the option to pick up a lot of those contracts and Kimbo's was financially very very large uh, and that was one of the reasons they signed for not getting him then. Um, so yeah, I think the money will play into it. But uh, you know, I, if if Strikeforce doesn't pick him up, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, of course it would be a, a good get for them mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, get headlines or whatever. But, you know, we might see them in regional promotions or in Japan or something. Yeah, too. I was about to say Dream would be a very big possibility. Uh, they were all about Bob Sapp, who is, you know, a guy who is always just more size than skill. Right. And, uh, you know, Kimbo is better than him and has has the look of a crazy guy who can, you know, beat you up. Yeah. Kimbo and Bob Sapp, Kimbo Hongman Choi, who knows? It could happen. All kinds of possibilities. Yeah, it depends on how many Americans saw him lose over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Very fickle bunch we are. So yeah. he'd probably be better going across the pond for a, for a yeah. dad. Yeah, who knows. But uh, I guess, you know, kind of sticking with the, that fight a little bit, I mean, uh, like I said, I, I was kind of impressed with Mitrione. He looked a lot better than in his last fight. And, again, uh, that might have to do with, you know, just – 
what Kimball brought to the table. But I mean, Mitrione was definitely had had improved stand up and was, you know, despite the fact that none of his submissions actually worked, was was thrown down a couple yeah, submissions. There were a few the, close ones. The yeah. triangle looked like he almost had him for a little bit. And uh, he had a pretty decent Kimura that I actually thought he was going to yep. score the tap out with, but uh, Kimbo toughed it out. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, that was uh, it, it, It's just nice to see that improvement with, 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 in a fighter with a, in a short amount of time, and who knows how long that'll. How well, much we'll that can see carry how on, that lasts. Yeah. My jury is still out on this oh, yeah. Mitch Rione fella until, <laughs> oh, he's had until he fights. fights somebody else. Oh, yeah, yeah no, he's had two I professional have, fights. And both definitely. of them were from contestants of the Ultimate Fighter. Right. I mean, essentially, he's. Three and one now, with yeah. all of his fights being Ultimate Fighter fights. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it's early to say anything about yeah. Mitrione. Um, other than that, he is in fact a meathead. Yes. And uh, he, he does hit hard. Movement. Yeah. He, he's getting better. But we did get to see some Kimbo slams in that fight. That was uh, that was impressive. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, there were Kimbo slams leading directly to submission attempts. So <laughs> that was uh, that was some craziness, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was like 30 seconds of insanity. Yeah, that was a hell of a first minute of that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if Mitrione had, you know, what if Mitrione had just cleaned his clock with that head, first head kick? I mean, that would have been uh, that would have been gold, right? Yeah, yeah, it would have been. It was like, oh, we've seen it before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> been there, Kimbo. Yep. Mm. Uh, Jeremy Stevens, Sam Stout. That was a, that was a fun fight. Yeah. That was a very fun fight. Good, good back and forth. I mean, Stevens really took it to uh, Stout that first round, and then you know Stout kind of you know mounted his attempted comeback, and you know wasn't able to turn the tide, you know, by the end of the fight. But it was a, uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, that was a fight where before the fight, Joe Rogan says like, "This is going to be a fight where Sam Stout should uh, have the technique, while Stevens is going to have the power." And it played out exactly like that. Yeah, it seemed like Stout landed more punches and kicks, but just got hurt every time he got hit back. Yeah, well, you know, Stevens was really winging those punches. I mean, like if he had connected with a few of those big ones, I think it would have been. Yeah, there were some uh, behind the butt haymakers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but that was definitely a. Uh, uh, a story of the the power against the technique, and you know sometimes the technique wins and sometimes the power wins. And uh, yeah, there there was no knockout. It wasn't a finish, but it was uh, it was uh, pretty obvious in my mind. It was a split decision, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that really surprised me that one of the judges gave it to Stout. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's one of those things where like I could see Stout maybe you know like he definitely did much better in the second and third rounds, and he was working those leg kicks as I think Rogan mentioned, kind of pointed out. But yeah, I mean I. I I, I wasn't surprised at all that Stevens won that fight. I didn't think it was, you know, I thought it was, you know, maybe, you know, kind of your typical, you know, t- two to one or that sort of thing. But um, yeah, not not surprised at all that Stevens won. So I, I was a little, uh, you know, found a little interesting that it was a split decision. But you know, the the right guy won in my eyes at least. So. Yeah, and that's what's important. Yeah, and uh, that's one of those uh, fights that I don't, I don't think that hurts either fighter. Honestly, it wasn't uh, you know neither of them looked bad. They were both you know put on an entertaining fight. Yeah, they and, got uh, fight of the night. And yeah, that's always helpful. I mean, even losing a fight of the night, you know, you get guys like Chris Lytle who yeah. has lost a bunch of fights but is always entertaining and you'll always have a job at least. Yep. So uh, I guess the other fight on the uh, the main card there was uh, Alan Belcher Patrick Cote, which uh, you call you called it right, Greg, I believe, calling it for Alan Belcher, and uh, you know. I I don't know if I picked Patrick Cote straight up or basically said you know if it wasn't for the injury I'd pick Patrick Cote but uh, yeah I mean that that showed he looked pretty sluggish I think you and, gave him the disclaimer yeah, on that one yeah if I remember but, uh, correctly but I mean yeah the layoff time really really showed I mean he kind of picked up steam a little bit later but I mean he was just really outworked 
Yeah. Well, you know, Alan Belcher has been stepping up his game over the yep. past year and a half. Um, and I've said it a bunch of times. Like He was a guy who was around, but it was kind of like, you know, he blends into the crowd until yep. the Dennis King win. Yep. And uh, he I mean, he lost that close fight to Akiyama, which I still say he should have won. And, uh, you know, he's been just looking better and better in each fight. And uh, this fight was pretty crazy. He uh, he looked like he was about to go for a power bomb, yep. but ended up dropping him on his head. Which, on uh, his face? On his face, yes. Yeah. Yes, Rogan uh, mentioned the, the, the spike technique, yeah. but uh, it was certainly not a spike. That would be, um, you know, in order to have done that, he would have had to either lift him higher uh, or, like, kind of sit back into the pile driver position. It was certainly, you know, more of a, a slam to the face, um, but, you know, that'll mess you up. Dudes yeah. get knocked out by getting hit in the face all the time. There was no, like, spine worries, which is what the, the spike issue is all about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think Cote was expecting that one at all, and no. uh, he was dazed like hell and got choked out, and uh, it looked like Johnny Cash was kissing his ear after that. Uh. Man, that's that's still such a horrible tattoo. Uh, I found it interesting that Alan Belcher kind of called out Anderson Silva. I mean, you're in that division; that's the thing to do, I guess. But uh, you know, and, and again, no offense to Alan Belcher, he has won his last couple fights, but he just didn't look on the same, you know, like. You know, maybe a few more fights or whatever, just, you know, by, you know, record-wise, he, he could earn a title shot. But he, he didn't look like he – and who does really look like they have a chance against Anderson Silva. But, you know, I just sure. found it kind of odd that he, he he's calling out Anderson Silva at this stage already. They need somebody cocky to yeah. just go in there and play Anderson Silva's game for him so we <laughs> yeah. finally get an interesting <laughs> Anderson Silva fight. Well, you know, there could be something to be said where uh, Patrick Cote's last match was a match against Anderson Silva. Yep. And, uh, you know, Anderson Silva, for all practical purposes, did not finish Patrick Cote off. Yep. Uh, Patrick Cote finished his own damn self yep. off, and it <laughs> took longer than that. So, uh, you know, like that's something that Belcher's got as far as bragging rights. And, you know, he's a Muay Thai guy. Anderson Silva's a Muay Thai guy. Maybe he thinks he's got the chance there. I would be inclined to, you know, give him a little bit more time, uh, especially since they got the, the Kale Sonnen fight planned out anyway. Yep. Um but, you know, it'd be an interesting fight to see maybe like a year from now. But who knows? Now that Lyoto Machida is no longer the champion, uh, I think a fight that a lot of people would love to see is Shogun against Anderson Silva. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe they can make a catch, three-way catchweight bout between Anderson Silva, GSP, and Shogun. Yeah. That, that would, would be take insane. Care, take care of all the dream fights at once, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Out of the way. No. And, and put a ladder in there, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I mean... I think people much. I think GSP versus Anderson Silva is kind of like the dream fight. But yeah, certainly since Anderson Silva has fought up at 205 multiple times, and I mean, could basically more or less has has proven that you know he he could basically jump into a title shot. I mean, he's beaten you know a, a former light heavyweight champion at this point, and uh, who beat the current champion? Yeah, exactly. So uh, you know he, he's got that argument there, but I, I don't think we'll see that anytime soon. But it's definitely nice to know that that, that option's there. Uh, it just adds a little more intrigue. Well, Dana White has said that Anderson Silva has two more fights mm-hmm. at, at uh, middleweight. He says, you know, flat out, you know, I can't make him leave 185 if he doesn't want to go. Right. But I want to see him fight Chelson and Vitor Belfort. Yep. It's possible that you know Alan Belcher might rack up a couple impressive wins in this time and kind of get his name on that list. But Dana White has been very vocal about wanting Anderson Silva to move up. Yep. Um. Anderson Silva has always been like, well, you know, I'll get these fights in there, but it's my homie's weight class. He's the champ. Nobody's going to beat him. 
So, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to leave that alone. But now that his homie lost in devastating fashion, maybe you can get revenge. Yeah. It's something that would be interesting to see. And uh, you know, story. the uh, the GSP fight is a fight that a lot of people, I think, would like to see. But at the same time, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know that Anderson Silva can drop any more weight than 185. And seeing George St. Pierre move up to fight Anderson Silva is going to be the same thing as seeing BJ Penn move up to beat George St. Pierre. It's a fight that a lot of people are going to pay to see, but I don't see where GSP wins the fight. It's going to be extremely hard to do just because... You know, just because you're the best man at 170 doesn't mean you're the best man at 185. That said, Anderson Silva has already proven himself quite a bit at 205, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that would be a definite possibility. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, if GSP to move up, he he said it before. You know, he it would take a, he, to do it right. It would take him a long time, and uh, I don't know if people would have patience for that. Considering we're gonna have to, he's gonna be on the bench until uh, what winter now with the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, and uh, Josh Koscheck, so I don't know if people could handle that long of layoffs. Because, I mean, you know, when BJ Penn moved up, you know, it was a lot of uh, just not weight cutting, whereas George St. Pierre has made it pretty clear he wants to, you know, actually add more mass, uh, muscle mass, that sort of thing, which would be a lot more uh, a lot more intensive, I think. So, yeah, it takes longer to do. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, and, and all this conversation started from talking about Alan Belcher beating Patrick Cote. It's, uh, yeah, well, it was a pretty cool victory. Yeah. Yeah, a nice ending. You know, was, you know Cote seemed genuinely, genu- genuinely surprised by that uh, that face drop because I, I think you know his concern was you know like was that a spike? Was that not a spike? What happened? And then got choked out. So. Looked uncomfortable either way. I, I would uh, I would agree with that assessment. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> but, you know, what, call, what other fights did we see? We saw the uh, Marcus Davis Jonathan Goulet. We uh, did, which went around longer than I thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I wasn't surprised to see Marcus Davis win. Yeah, I think that was pretty much the the unanimous call on that one. I don't think a whole lot of people put a uh, put a lot of faith in Goulet on that fight. He's a good fighter, but he's uh, not too hard to knock out. It seems. Yeah, he does not hit punch well, and um, you know, we, and that's we, what Marcus Davis is all about. Oh, exactly. And then we referenced it earlier, but uh, Tom Lawler uh, put it on Joe Dirksen in the first round, but then uh, lost steam. Uh, over the course of the rest of the fight, yeah. until in ending with him getting choked out. Uh, in the second, had a totally new look too. Yeah, the uh, I keep wanting to say Don Fry, but it's Dan, he was rocking the Dan Severn look. Yeah, the the Dan Severn Freddie Mercury thing going on. Yeah, it was very nice. I guess he showed up at weigh-ins, basically dressed as uh, Severn. So that was oh, it. did he? Yeah. Okay. yeah and then his yeah. entrance was he dressed up like Apollo Creed. Ooh. Didn't entrance like that. Yeah, see, they didn't show the entrance on the pay-per-view. I, I was which... disappointed, too, because I was telling my friends, I'm like, oh, I hope Tom, La- Tom Lawler's fight makes it on, because he always does these crazy entrances, and they're like, oh, it's on, but it's from the prelim card, so they just cut the entrances. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're scared of copyright infringement or something. <laughs> they're just scared of Tom Lawler's mustache. Oh, uh, that, that was a thing of beauty. It was. Good job, Tom. But, uh... Yeah, congratulations, guy who lost. But uh, I think the UFC is going to keep him around. <laughs> I think so. He got his face punched in. It was awesome. They were just kind of beating right. the hell out of each other. Right, and not necessarily even so much for the gimmick that that he does, where he makes references, you know, old school UFC fighters or Hulk Hogan or whatever. Sure. But he also just puts on he puts on entertaining fights. You know, yeah. it's the same thing with like we mentioned with the Sam Stout, Jeremy Stevens, or you mentioned Chris Lytle, uh, guys who go out there and you know put on a show. You know, whether or not they win or lose, they always, you know, make it an exciting fight, you know. He should work on his uh, cardio a little bit more. A little bit. Well, you know, in his previous fight, uh, he kind of got tired in that one as well. Uh, He he almost knocked out Aaron Simpson, and then uh, 
then faded away and ended up losing uh, the decision in that fight. That was uh, a three-rounder instead of getting put away. So that seems to be his Achilles heel. He's uh, he's coming out like a ball of fire and beating these guys up, but then is kind of fading away. So I think that could be, uh, if he can work on that, he can perhaps do some damage down the line. Yeah. What, what do we think his next uh, gimmick's going to be for his next fight? Um, Something from Street Fighter. Ryu. <laughs> it's actually pronounced Ryu? Damn it. <laughs> so, so you're saying he's going to be Lyoto Machida? Yeah. Anyway, yes. As long as he doesn't come out as uh, Joe-san or whatever, I think we'll be good, right? I don't know. Joe-san was pretty awesome. He can take a punch to the balls like nobody else. <laughs> and now he's in jail. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he was pretty awesome and awesome powers. Hmm. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, from the card, um, you know, not really. Okay. Uh, I mean, there was other fights there, but those were all the ones we saw. I mean, Johnny Hendricks beat TJ Grant, took him to a decision. Okay. Joey Beltran beat Tim Haig, decision. Michael Guyman beat uh, Yoshiyuku Yoshi- Yoshida, decision. And uh, John Salter beat Jason McDonald because Jason McDonald broke his leg. Yeah, I was about to say, I read that he broke his leg in two places. But I haven't seen it and don't really have a whole hell of a lot of desire to check it out. I heard it being compared to the old uh, Joe Theismann leg Uh snap of NFL fame. Uh Uh-oh. That's no good. Long time ago. Which I never saw that one either, but I heard it was pretty gnarly. Yeah. That's uh, that's bad news, but uh, hopefully Jason McDonald heals up well. But uh, no, I, overall I really like the UFC 113 card. I, I think it always helps with a, a main event that ends with uh, a you know ends well. Not to say that you know you know I, I'm fine with the decisions as long as they're interesting fights. But the last couple uh, UFCs have had like the long drawn out decisions that have been uh, left people just kind of. Uh, uh, a little uh, yeah, well, sour taste in the mouth, especially I guess. that damn Anderson the Silva one. Yeah, there was no dancing in this in the, this one, so that that helped. But you know, uh, the the Koscheck Daily fight wasn't super exciting, but there was a few antics thrown in there that made it more than uh, more than the fight was. And of yeah. course, we had Steven Stout, which helped. And so yeah, overall, it was a, I think it was a pretty satisfying card and uh, really shook up the uh, the light heavyweight division, which I think helps a lot. So coming up on Saturday, we are moving on to Strike Force over so at Tobin's much, house. So Woo. much fighting going on. I thought you had Showtime. What's going on? No. You did for like a, a week. Yeah. Oh, is you get like the free trial week? Uh huh. We get the look at the box and then you know that's it. All right. Yeah, that can happen. Saturday. Nah, you don't sound very excited. I, I, that's because I'm tired. <laughs> I've been sick. Why do I ever sound excited about anything except for when I'm scolding you on Street Fighter? <laughs> <laughs> Ryu, Ryu. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, May 15th uh, from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Is it stacked? Is it stacked at all? It's it's heavy artillery, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it is. Uh, the main event, of course, for the Strike Force, Strike Force Heavyweight Championship, Alistair Overeem, Brett Rogers. That should be... Uh, I, I don't think that fight's going to get out of the first round. Holy crap. Alistair Overeem is fighting in America in Strike Force well, once again. Yeah, I mean, we've still got a few days for him to, you know, screw it up or something. But, yeah, uh, get in a bar fight and break his hand again. Oh, goodness gracious. But, uh, you know, I mean, Alistair Overeem, you know, he's the champ. And, you know, he, he's got a, you know been around the sport a lot longer. But, I mean, as far as finding relevant convert- competition, you know, I'd actually give Brett Rogers the edge in this. I mean, I... I think it's going to be a close fight, but, you know, I don't know if Brett Rogers is uh, an underdog or not, but I'm, I'd take him, you know, with the uh, with the win. Just, you know, based on what he's accomplished, I mean, you know, he, he really surprised a lot of people with uh, blitzing Andre Arlovsky and then, you know, held his own against Fedor until uh, getting blasted in the face. But, uh, yeah, just 
I mean, Alistair Overeem has not fought relevant heavyweights recently at all. Yeah, so. he, he's really been pumping up his record since Pride dissolved. Yeah, uh, a lot of people have him as the, that guy who could beat Fedor, which you know, I, I mean, I suppose is a possibility. Anyone could be that guy who could beat Fedor, but um, I, I don't really see it. Like he, he's gone on a winning streak, yeah, but who's he fought? You know, there's been a bunch of relative no-names or people who have dropped off over the past several years. I'll tell you who he's fought. Uh, he won Strikeforce title off of Paul Buentello back Woo! in 2007. The man who just tapped out from getting yeah. elbowed in the thigh. That's exhausting. <laughs> that is exhausting. Uh, then proceeded to beat uh, Tai Hoon Lee in Dream 4 in 2008. Mm. Uh, then beat Mark Hunt. <laughs> this is Mark Hunt in 2008 at Dream 5. Then uh, no contest to uh, Crow Cop. After kicking him in the balls so yeah. many times that they went up into his abdomen. Uh, <laughs> then beat Gary Goodridge. Again, this is Gary Goodridge in 2008. <laughs> uh, really relevant competition here. Uh, I hear Tony- Gary Goodridge, by the way, is trying to get a job as a bouncer. Oh, but he's been having a hard time. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Pulled off submission on him, though, Kimura. Uh, nice. Beat Tony Sylvester with a guillotine choke uh, at... Uh, in 2000, earlier in 2009, October 2009, then uh, beat James Thompson with a with a guillotine. The uh, guy who got his ear exploded by yeah. Kimbo Slice. Yeah, the uh, the Colossus James Thompson, whose strategy involves running directly at his opponent after the bell rings. <laughs> uh, that was at Dream 12 in late 2009, and then beat uh, Fujita at K1 Dynamite in uh, December 2009. So, um, you know, no offense to any of those fighters, but uh, Overeem hasn't shown recently that he's willing to t- face top competition. Um, but you know he can do it. He, he's not. I don't want to you know undersell over him. He's a good fighter, but it's just like who? What have you done for me lately? You know. Yeah. What's he gonna look like? Has he slimmed down a little bit? No, uh, no he's huh? a monster. He's a well. I mean, yeah. Since you know, he used to fight light heavyweight, you know, I think everyone's seen the fight against him, Chuck Liddell, and Pride. Where I mean, he was he was a scrawny dude. He well, was scrawny he was dude. certainly a lot scrawnier than he is now. There was a lot of speculation during the Pride days of. Do people actually make weight sometimes? Um, And he was kind of one of those guys, like, he's so big. Like, is he really making 205? And I read an interview with him, and he's like, man, I was cutting, like, 25, 30 pounds. That was ridiculous. So, and even then, he was, if that's true, he was around 230. And, I mean, nowadays, I wouldn't be surprised if he's making a cut to get to the the heavyweight limit. Yeah, he is a large man, for sure. Um, His... uh Fight weight, uh, the Sherdog Fight Finders, they've got him at 260. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But I yeah, mean, but he's probably put on a couple of pounds since this conversation started. Yeah, goodness gracious. Yeah, but uh, uh, I'm excited to see this fight. It's going to be, uh, you know, explosive. There's going to be heavy hands. I don't expect a takedown at all. I expect, you know, fists flying in the first round. And I don't see it getting out of the first round. But, uh, you know, again, I picked Machida to take it in uh, four rounds against Shogun. So, uh <laughs> Maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised again, but I, I see this being a, a pretty quick fight with uh, some big shots getting landed. And you know, again, I'll, I'll take Rogers in that fight. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Overeem did actually take this one to the yeah. ground. I, I've seen him get a handful of submission wins. He's got a, a handful of guillotine wins, and you mentioned a, a Kimura or two in there. Uh, he, he's not afraid to go to the ground, and he, you know, he's plenty competent there. And while Rogers, you know, held his own against Fedor there for the, you know, the time that they were on the ground, he certainly doesn't seem to want to be there. Like that's that's not his plan of attack. So I could see 
Overeem going there just to try and take Rogers out of his comfort zone. Yeah, but uh, very excited for that. And, of course, we have uh, Antonio Silva versus uh, Andre Arlovsky. Another another quality heavyweight bout. Uh, guys who are kind of right on the cusp of, you know, being being top-tier heavyweights. I mean, Arlovsky was there for such a long time and kind of fell off. But, uh, you know, they're, they're still relevant heavyweights. They're still, uh, you know, Antonio Silva's kind of an up-and-comer. He lost that uh, decision to, uh, I believe it was decision to Verdum. Yeah. Basically, you know. Pretty close fight, though. Yeah, so that's going to be a, another fun fight. Uh, interested to see what, uh, you know, because there's still a lot of unknowns regarding Antonio Silva. I mean, he's uh, uh, 13, listed at 13-2 and two record, but, you know, you know, only other loss was to uh, Eric Pele back in uh, 2006. So, uh, Big E. Yeah, but, uh, you know, he's got a lot of TKO stoppages. Uh, looks like at least one submission, arm triangle choke. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm I'm going to give it to the new guy. You yeah, know, I like yeah. Andre Arlovsky just as much as yep. the next guy, but it seems like that he's just going to be, you know, a stepping stone. Yeah, you know, I, I really don't know. Arlovsky's got really good boxing, really good hands, but it, his chin's just been such a problem. And, and you know, I, I don't know if Silva has the, you know, has the power to, you know, really put, a, put it on Arlovsky or the speed, but... Oof. Uh, and I don't know. And we got strike I mean, force is in a good place. They've yeah. got some, you know, good names from yesteryear, yeah. and then they're able to, uh, you know, get some pretty new, relatively yeah. young, unknown, up and coming fighters, and you know, they can build their fighters yeah. a little bit better than I think the UFC can right uh, now. Of, of all the weight classes, uh, strike force is definitely looking best in terms of heavyweights. That's yep. Hands down, their their most interesting division, and even without Fedor, assuming Fedor never does actually fight there again, yep. it's still the most interesting weight class they've got. Uh, I mean, the UFC has got everything else on lockdown pretty much. Lightweight is kind of crazy because there's lightweights everywhere. Uh, you know, top tier lightweights are kind of a dime a dozen compared to uh, the, these other weight classes. But you know, the UFC has got just about everything locked down. But Strikeforce has an interesting. Uh, heavyweight division. I would say, you know, UFCs would probably win if you stacked them up head to head. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think that Strike Force is is you know it's certainly pretty good. It's comparable. I would lean toward Arlovsky in this fight, um, just because he's got the hand speed and the power. Um, I'm sure that Giant Silva would have the uh, or Antonio Silva mm-hmm. would have the power to put. Uh, Arlovsky away, but I don't think he's going to have the speed to hit him a whole lot is uh, where I see this going. That and um, Arlovsky will lose two fights in a row. He does it all the time, but he never loses three fights in a row. And he's, do it. He, do it. he's yeah. down two in a row right now, so he, he's got to get back on the winning streak. Yeah, and I mean, that that's I, I, I'd side with Arlovsky in this fight, and you know, the X factor being, you know, how he's going to because, you know, there's no shame in losing to Fedor or even Brett Rogers at this point. I mean, Brett Rogers has, you know, established himself as being a quality heavyweight. But I, just the manner he lost to Rogers, it was, you know, 20-something-odd seconds and just got, you know, blasted. Um, you know, how, how that's going to affect him mentally. Is he going to be a little more, you know, kind of tentative in his, his fighting style or or, or what? But, um, yeah, no, I, I definitely favor Arlovsky in this. I don't think he's, uh, you know, uh, lost. I mean, he's lost. Momentum, he's lost that shine, but I don't think it's it's gone. I don't, I don't think it's something he can. Yeah. yeah, I think he can, he can rebound from that. Unless it's a mental issue, which does happen. Yeah. Um, he kind of had that after losing to Tim Sylvia. He was a really exciting fighter in like 2005, mm. and then he he got knocked out by Tim Sylvia, and then his next couple of fights were extremely tentative. Yep. 
So, I mean, there's something to be said for that. But, you know, not only is he the most exciting fighter when he fights aggressively, but he's also a better fighter when he fights aggressively. The um, the, the technical stuff is good. He is a good technical striker, but he's better when he's trying to punch people's head to where they, you know, fall unconscious instead of trying to win these decisions. And I would think that if he fights this aggressive style, he would probably have a better chance at winning this fight. But as far as losing in uh, in twenty twenty two seconds or whatever, um, you know, like it, it's always embarrassing to lose really fast. But yep. you know, a punch at twenty two seconds or a punch with fifteen seconds left in the fight, that same yep. punch is still going to knock the same guy out. I think uh, just because you managed to get clipped early, yeah. I mean, it looks bad, but I don't think it really says a whole lot about you, about your chin. You know, just because. This is mixed martial arts, not boxing, where it's more of an accumulation of strikes, usually in boxing, that puts guys away. In mixed yeah. martial arts, there's one-punch knockouts all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't think that's a huge deal, once again, other than perhaps uh, uh, being a huge deal to his psyche. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, really fast, we, we kind of offhandedly mentioned Fedor fighting in Strike Force. It sounds like they've actually got that sealed up. He will be fighting for Doom in uh, June 26th, yeah. and hopefully that will, you know, that's the word on the street, but I'll yeah. believe it when I see it. Yeah, Those exactly. Crazy Russians. Oh goodness. Yeah, I mean, Strike Force said it was, said it's official, but you know we got a lot of time between now and June 26th, so we'll see. And hopefully, you know, he'll he'll stick around and just kind of you know make the heavyweight. Uh, well, I just lost the word. Heavyweight division. That's not even a hard word. It just no, it's getting my brain. Just left. Uh, make the just kind of help establish the Strike Force uh, heavyweight division there. Um, but uh, it's good to note. Um, you know, of course, he he's beaten uh, two of the fighters fighting on this uh, heavy artillery card already with, uh, you know, Rogers and Arlovsky, but uh, we'll see. And, you know, also another big fight on this card uh, is uh, Jacare versus uh, Joey Villasenor, which uh, has uh, implications for their middleweight division. Uh, Jacare is coming off the win off, uh, over uh, Matt Lindland, uh, and he he showed, uh, you know, Jacare has got great jiu-jitsu, uh, you know, probably one of the best in, in, in MMA right now with his jiu-jitsu game, but he showed uh, improved stand-up against Matt Lindland, and again, who knows if that was a product of fighting Matt Lindland, who's kind of uh, on the, you know, on the decline in his career, one might say. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's dabbling in politics now anyway. Yeah, but uh, he's taken on, as I mentioned, Joey Villasenor, who was, you know, uh, a year or two ago was, you know, his name was being tossed around for, uh, you know, when Elite XC was still together, being a, being a middleweight challenger. You know, he's... he's he fought some good guys. Fought some uh, beat beat uh, Phil Baroni, uh, I believe lost to uh, Robbie Lawler. I'm trying to remember, yeah, but I mean that was that was back in '06. Um, but you know, beat beat guys like David Luazo. Um, he beat Ninja, didn't he? Ninja uh, Hua. He, uh, I believe, he lost to Ninja Hua. Oh man. But uh, you know, it also ha- his most recent win was you know last year, but uh, it was over. Uh, the other Cyborg Santos, the uh, Evan- Evangelista Santos. Mr. Cyborg Santos. I believe so, yeah. So, uh, you know, it, I, I'd say, you know, more or less, and it really depends what happens with Jake Shields and Strike Force, but I'd say the winner of the the uh, Senor uh, Jacare fight probably be next in line for a title shot or, you know, next in line for a uh, interim title shot or a yeah, well, vacant I mean, title shot or it, whatever. If Jake Shields is on the way out, which it looks yeah. like he probably is, then... Uh, yeah, this definitely sets the stage for uh, the winner of this fight getting to fight somebody else for, you know, yep. the 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 title. If they want to bring it back, I could see Robbie Lawler getting that, even though 
you know, he's got a few losses, but, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's a, a name and an exciting fighter. And he's coming off that kick-ass win of uh, Melvin Manhoff. Ooh, goodness gracious, so, yeah. I can see him fighting the winner of this down the line for the title. Yeah, um, you know, and I, I favor Jacare in this fight just because you know he's got such such a good ground game. And, you know, of course he always you know, and again he showed pr- improved stand up. But I mean, Vias and yours good on the feet, um, so he, he could always catch him there. But I, I'd say Souza's got this uh, you know pretty well in hand as you know as far as you know controlling the fight, you know, go, getting the takedown and, and finishing him on the ground, um, and you know. Hypothetically, if Jake Shields does for some reason stay with Strike Force, I would love to see a Jacare Jake Shields match. That would be fun. I mean, that that you know, either that or it would just be sloppy striking <laughs> for the whole fight. Yeah, because they're like they're both good on the ground. Bad kickboxing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to plead ignorance on this one. I'm not familiar enough with uh, Viasinor to uh, really say. I mean, I know I know about Jacare, yeah. awesome jujitsu guy, but I don't know his opponent too much, so I'm going to leave this one to you. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, yeah, Vincent yours, he, he's been around for a bit, but it, he's been inactive for since basically Elite XC collapsed, and you know, even then, he you know had fought on a few Elite XC cards and fought most recently on a Strike Force Challengers card. So yeah, I mean, his his name definitely has not been out there yeah. at all. Uh, the other, you know, a um, couple other notable fights, of course, uh, Hodger or Roger. I'm always taught with that one because that's uh, that's the worst one. But uh, you know the other Gracie, yeah, fighting uh, Kevin Randleman. Uh, this has got to be a, <laughs> this has got to be a you know. Uh, so letting Kevin Randleman fight, g- huh? Gonna go. Uh, it's 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 sad that a former uh, UFC champion is now uh, now falling to the laughable level. But yeah, Kevin Randleman probably gonna oh, lose. Seventeen to the and fourteen. His record is now. <laughs> poor guy. Poor, poor he guy. He was such a. Mo- he still is a monster. He, is a monster. he will always be the monster because that's the his monster. Nickname. That's his nickname. There it is. My bad. Maybe someone, should, someone should just take the nickname the champion. You know, and that way you'll always be the champion. But uh, you know, um, I mean, he lost to Mike Whitehead. He's lost to some other guys recently. He's not. He hasn't looked good in years. He managed uh, to knock himself out on the way to a ring once. Oh goodness gracious! Yeah, uh, this is this got to be you know provided Gracie comes in good shape and you know he, he's he's still young in the MMA game, but he's got a lot of a lot of grappling experience, of course. Um, you know, and he's kind of like you know one of one of the 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 last uh, or more of the most recent hopes for Gracie's in MMA and uh, you know I'd say he takes this as long as he comes in you know in the right mindset the right uh, conditioning everything like that should yeah. be shouldn't be hard for him at all. Strike Force is uh, kind of you know throwing him a softball here you know building up names. Well, I mean he's yeah, again he he doesn't have a lot of experience in MMA right now so I mean I think it's kind of the right type of fight for him. It's I, just uh, you know I think it might be uh, interesting just to see how the fight plays out because. Randleman could win this one standing up. <laughs> Should he choose to do that? I don't know anything about Hodger Gracie's stand-up. Yeah. Uh, I would assume he's great on his back and is looking to get taken down by Kevin Randleman, which seems like the kind of thing Randleman would do. But he also knocked out Krokop. So, you know, who knows? He he clearly hits hard. It's crazy. Um, Craziness, yeah. He's always been a hard hitter. He's not a very good stand-up striker. But, you know, who's the last Gracie that was setting the world on fire standing up? Um, the best one I can think of is Henzo Gracie, who just yeah. got knocked out by Matt Hughes. Yeesh. So, I mean, I, I don't want to write off Kevin Randleman in this match quite yet just because I don't think Hodger Gracie could take him down yeah. um, unless he's declined that far. And he's explosive and athletic enough that he could... <laughs> 
<laughs> didn't get this big knockout and uh, surprised the entire mixed martial arts world. That said, Kevin Randleman loves to take people down, even yep. when he shouldn't. And uh, yeah. I can see him getting his arm twisted pretty quickly and tabbing out. Yeah, well, I, I will count out Kevin Randleman, and they don't have to eat my words, but yeah. Well, I and I, pretty... I think Greg brings up a really good point, though, because those Gracies are very, uh, you know, they'll neglect that stand-up. You yeah, know, yeah. They're, they just like to get knocked out, I guess. And then <laughs> they love it. Yeah. And, and then it. and then your strongest suit is being on your back. You know, that's yeah. a very specific niche market that you're trying to get fights against. Yeah. This is well. I'm sure they love to be on top, too, but they don't tend to have the wrestling to get there. And Kevin Randleman is a wrestler. That's what he does. So he's, you know, assuming he's still got it in him, uh, which I would assume he does. I don't think he declined because he physically deteriorated. I think he declined because he kind of (laughs) sucks. And he's a little crazy. Well, he's a lot crazy. (laughs) Um, But, but I mean, like, even at his prime, uh, I don't think he would be able to hang in mixed martial arts today near the top level just because, you know, when he was the bomb, that was like 2000. And, you know, you could come in and just be a wrestler and plow over people. And now the game's not like that anymore. Uh, You need to have some semblance of a ground game in terms of uh, submissions and submission defense. And, uh, you know, he, he just never evolved in that way at all. So assuming he hasn't physically deteriorated, he should be able to control where the fight goes. That said, once again, I'm not going to put it past him to put the fight on the ground where he's going to be at a severe disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. But the same thing with the Gracies, though, kind of applied to the same thing, is they had um, a style that worked out for years. Yeah. And then they just haven't evolved with it. Not at all. Um, Well, I mean, I guess a little bit, but not enough. Yeah, well, we'll find out this Saturday, right? Yeah, we sure will. Whee! Yeah. Uh, other notable fights, I mean, uh, you know, we have Antoine Britt versus uh, Rafael Feijal Cavacante, uh, Justin Damani versus Jesse Finney, and uh, one on the undercard that could be a lot of fun is uh, Vitor uh, Ribeiro versus Lyle Beerbaum, who has a great last name. Beerbaum? Beerbaum. I always think it's Beerbong, and then I realize it's Baum. Uh, uh, also nick- pretty yeah. cool, though. Yeah, and, and uh, you know... <laughs> He's been around for a bit, but he's got a, you know, mm, this is kind of his first, uh, you know, big step up for, you know, show getting into strike force that sort of thing. Fancy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this guy, this guy is great. I've heard some interviews with him. He's actually got a really interesting story. He actually uh, became interested in MMA while he was in prison. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Uh, I believe basically, you know, uh, his first stop after being let out of prison was at an MMA school, I believe. But, uh, yeah, his nickname is Fancy Pants. He's rocked some pretty pretty dope shorts. Very so, uh, hammerific. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get to see his fight. It is on the undercard, but you know maybe if we're lucky, Strike Force will you know turn a camera on for the prelims. Okay. And, and uh, who's he fighting against? He is fighting. Uh, I just had it. Uh, Shaolin Vitor oh. Ribeiro. Yes, I haven't heard that name in a while. It's, it's been a while, but uh, yeah, so that that could be a very fun fight. Um, uh, you know. Now, like I said, hopefully we'll get to see it. But is this the fight that uh, Kid Yamamoto is fighting on? You know, that was the that was the. That was the word for a while. It sounds like they, they ironed that out, and he's not uh, not going to be fighting because it was just like this bizarre situation where we're like, what's, what's Kid Yamamoto doing on an undercard? Why is he fighting in Strike Force on the undercard? Why isn't he? And, and I think yeah, they, in a main uh, event in Japan. Right, exactly. So I, I don't think he's uh, he's not on this card anymore. I'm trying to see if they moved him or just um, kind of. The Senate, that was a terrible just idea. Decided it was a bad idea and got rid of it. So, uh, yeah. Well, uh, we'll see. But uh, 
Uh, no, it doesn't look like he's on the card anymore, which is, uh, I think, I think a good idea. I think a good idea. If only because it was a waste of talent yeah. having a, a top guy there uh, in the undercard. You know, we we talked about it before how he's kind of dropped off recently. I'm I'm sure he could still beat most guys at uh, you know the, at 145 or 135 because he can make 135. But he's got some losses recently, and he's not the unstoppable monster that he had been for uh, you know the middle of the decade. But you know, he's still a name. I'm sure he would draw a huge crowd in Japan. So I was like, why the hell is he going to be in, uh, you know, in America in an undercard of the Strike Force? Yeah. Weird situation. Yeah, but uh, it sounds like that's that's been taken care of. So uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty excited for the Strike. Force. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, I understand from a name value perspective and all of that, but uh, this this would have been the card to put on CBS. You got you got some big name heavyweights, uh, not necessarily only big name heavyweights. You know, they're well known throughout the MMA community, but also you know. I think more fights that have the potential to be more more exciting for the mainstream crowd, you know, more potential for knockouts, uh, more potential for finishes. I mean, you know, I, I kind of get the, the the marketing strategy where they had all the champions fighting, but again, just, and of course, hindsight 2020, it just didn't pan out well, just the way the matchups were for, you know, being exciting, you know, prime time. The time know, limits on these ones is perfect. One championship match, you know. Yep. So, the heavyweight, so by the way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this and, would have been great to have it. And even though it's kind of a meaningless title at this point, given that you know it hasn't been defended in three years, it you know to the average fan who you know doesn't know that, uh, you know, it's like, oh man, the heavyweight title is online. Sweet, let's go watch that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, this this will be uh, I'm, I'm excited for this. It's gonna be fun. It's less likely to go 25 minutes than those other ones. Um, although the more we say that. The more likely it is it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, watch Rogers and uh, Overeem just go the distance, which would be <laughs> insane. I can't imagine that happening. But uh, hmm. it's uh, no, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm out of I'm out of words to describe. Right. Uh, really being excited for this card. It's, it's a good week for MMA. And, the uh, artillery. Yeah. Kabam. Right on. Any other uh, mixed martial arts news? Did anybody uh, get arrested or anybody fart on camera? You know, anything crazy? You know not that I'm aware of. I mean, the, I guess one one piece of news talked about it was announced this week that uh, I don't think it's been made official yet, but the rumor is, um, you know, it sounds like Ray Nelson going to be taking on uh, Junior Dos Santos, which is yeah. uh, it's fun. It sounds like, you know, for a while it was rumored that uh, maybe it was going to be Chuck Congo versus uh, Roy Nelson or perhaps Frank Mir Roy Nelson well, for, thought, for his next fight. I thought Congo was signed, but Congo right. got injured. Yeah, he's got he's got back injury, so he, he's not able to do it. But it's looking like maybe UFC 117 uh, could be could be the event where we see uh, Roy Nelson match up with Junior, Junior Dos Santos, which is uh, – that's a that's a risky fight for uh, both both fighters, honestly. I mean, it's, it, I actually I do like the matchup there, um, you know, and uh, you know I, I'd favor Dos Santos just kind of on a cursory glance. But uh, you know, Roy Nelson's a guy who can give guys fits on the ground, and you know he's the, not the most technical stand-up fighter, but he, he's got some power there, and I don't think it stacks up with Dos Santos for technique, speed, or anything. Well, but. he surprised me twice, so he's definitely yeah. on the map as far as yeah. I'm concerned. You know? Yeah. Junior Dos Santos had a great match as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the one thing that's going to really stick out in people's minds is, of course, Roy Nelson getting uh, you know KO'd pretty badly against Andre Arlovsky, but uh, that, that, that knockout came after he was working working the ground game pretty good on Arlovsky, had him in a Kimura attempt, and actually got stood up when he was in the half guard, so... Uh, or maybe side control, yeah, but it, side it was pretty bad. The, st- the stand up, but uh, you know, he, he uh, I'd say if he can weather, you know, get past getting punched directly in the face by uh, Junior Dos Santos in the first couple minutes, you know, it, he he can make it a pretty pretty interesting fight, and you know, 
that, but I, I think it's a good test for both guys. There's always been the question, you know, so far of Junior Dos Santos, what does he have on the ground? We saw him being able to escape some uh, takedowns and uh, ground, yeah. ground attempts in his last fight. But uh, but is he going to be able to get the moon off of him? Yeah. I mean, Roy Nelson's hard to get out from under. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, mean, I think this is going to be a really interesting fight. Um, this is probably going to be the biggest test that Junior Dos Santos has faced up to this point. Yep. The UFC has been doing a really good job of building up Junior Dos Santos and uh, Cain Velasquez uh, up pretty slowly. Uh, part of that could just be the fact that they've been uh, you know, stomping these guys so badly that it makes it look like they're being built up really slowly because, I mean, yeah. some of these guys that they've fought, um, you know, weren't such uh, such underdogs up until the fight ended up happening. They're like, oh, yeah, uh, man, Cain Velasquez really destroyed uh, Noguera. Or, uh, you know, there was speculation that, you know, Crow Cop could beat uh, Junior Dos Santos, and uh, that didn't pan out at all. Uh, but I think this is going to be a pretty big fight, and, um, you know, this is going to be probably his coming out party, I would say, if he wins that one. It could be the coming out party, I guess, for either guy. Yeah. Um Cain Velasquez just had his against Noguera, who seems like he's on a little bit of a decline, but mm. still, you know, a, a very solid win, especially to just uh, just destroy him as quickly as he did. So, you know, he's probably in line for a title right now, but, you know, the winner of this uh, Nelson Junior Dos Santos fight could very well find themselves uh, looking at a title shot after that, or, you know, if not one fight in between. Yeah, which is it's kind of nice. I mean, of course, you know, and we've talked about this before with Roy Nelson. He's not your typical tough winner. You know, he's got he's had a more substantial MMA career before coming on tough, and a lot of other fighters have been in MMA for for years before making it on to tough. But you know, he he, he like he fought Andre Olovsky on uh, I believe network television before joining tough. So you know that was a, that's it's a pretty good, big thing. And you know, um, a lot of people you know I think are going to rightfully probably favor Dos Santos in that fight. But you got to remember, I mean. Roy Nelson actually has more fights, more experience than than Junior Dos Santos does, you know, on paper at least. And, you know, he's ar- arguably fought better fighters. He's lost to some of them. But, uh, you know, as, as far as, you know, th- they both beat Stefan Struve, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, Dos Santos has Crow Cop on, on his list, but that wasn't mm-hmm. prime Crow Cop, mm-hmm. and I don't want to take anything away from him. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think the, the, his most recent fights are the most meaningful, Gabriel Gonzaga and then Gilbert Ivel. Uh, I think really kind of stand out for, you know, the wins for Dos Santos. And, of course, you know, the surprise win for a lot of people over Verdum back at, uh back in 2008. Yeah, back when we didn't know who he was. Yeah, back when we were like, who, who was this guy? But, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a good fight. I can't believe we got got to wait that long. But I think that's the uh, the, I think that's going to be the Anderson Silva Chael Sonnen card. So that's that's way down the line. But yeah. uh, we got, like, four more UFCs to go. Okay. So at least that card should have some redeeming factors, because yeah. either way, I can't see the Chael Sonnen and Anderson Silva fight being exciting, no matter who wins that one. I don't know. Chael Sonnen might, uh... uh Chael, Chael Sonnen's going to try hard, right? Well, he's going to try hard. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't mean that Anderson Silva will. Yeah. 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 But even, you know, even when Ander- uh, Chael Sonnen tries like a son of a bitch, he uh, is still really not exciting at all. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited for the pre-fight talk, though. That's uh, that's something to be excited for with Chael Sonnen. So. That's right. Um, uh, yeah, no one got arrested for domestic violence, allegedly, this week. Uh, I think we're good. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, the biggest talk of this week was the whole Paul Daly situation. Yeah. Tisk, tisk, Mr. Daly. Yeah. yeah. Jason Mayhem Miller versus Paul Daly. I'm Let's calling do it. it man. Strike Force. It's happening. Or or one of the Diaz brothers. Who knows? <laughs> Nick Diaz, but uh, yeah. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Uh, download us on iTunes. Friend us. Like us at Facebook. 
Audio Choke at Facebook.com. Also, Audio Choke, the Audio Choke at Twitter.com. Thanks for being here at MMA Torch. I'm Greg Rowan. I'm Tobin Shelby. And I'm Matt Collins. We'll catch you next time in the Audio Choke. <laughs> oh, my neck. The Audio Choke. <laughs> awesome. Stuff. You know, one thing that I thought was pretty funny about the uh, the Paul Daly punch yeah. is, you know, he was talking all that smack about it. If you stay with me for a second, just yeah. a second, yeah. I fear for your hell. Yeah. And then he gets that sucker punch in there, and you know, yeah. gosh, I, you know, it looked like it hurt. He bounced yeah. out of the wall. It's like, yeah. uh, okay, you know, should just knocked him out. Yeah, if you're gonna sucker punch the guy, just like I said on Facebook, if you're gonna sucker punch the guy, you better knock him out. Otherwise, you look like a bitch. That would, that would have been bad news, yeah. Ooh, it looks like Matt Mitrione will be taking on the uh, the Gracie killer, Joey the Executioner Beltran. Oh, snap. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see him fight Holos Gracie, actually. I think that would be an awesome fight. That, that's who Kimbo could have fought, but uh, he's been cut. So, you know, I mean, great, oh, Holos Gracie's been cut, you know. Well, that's that, the fight that, that Strike Force needs to make then. <laughs> I seriously think we might see Herschel Walker versus Kimbo. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, you know, it's one of those fights that we as MMA purists can shake our heads at. <laughs>